Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we have Julian Kay, who has uh, brought, who has made a Kickstarter called uh, Mutants in, in the Now. Is that right? Uh, that's the that's the main game. The right. current Kickstarter uh, that was just uh, was for the expansion Mutants in the Next. Mutants in the Next. Yes. So we like to ask every person we do an interview, "What are your gamer roots? Where did you get started?" I was with with my father in a hobby shop. I can't remember what he was in for, but uh, I remember seeing the cover of Car Wars Deluxe Edition. If for those that don't haven't seen it, as like you know a guy in a motorcycle helmet and you know two cars battling out with flamethrowers, and I was a kid of like Transformers and GI Joe, so I was like all primed for the idea of a cool <laughs> game about vehicular combat. But it was twenty dollars, and that was a king's ransom at that time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a cool. That's a cool cover too. I remember that cover. Yeah, and so eventually, uh, I was at a you know I was a, a comics reader and okay. through GI Joe and Transformers and the like. And I was at a hot, uh, another comic shop, and they had Mini Car Wars, which was uh, like this little pamphlet that was a dollar, and that was a lot easier to afford. <laughs> That was I was I, I picked that up and just kind of played around with it myself. And I clearly liked it. My mom got me like both it and like BattleTech for Christmas. From there, I made a a, a friend who was interested in Car Wars, who would actually eventually kind of got, kind of grew up to be kind of like a football jock at the time. But he's like one of the popular kids in school, so it was kind of a weird situation. But. Uh, <laughs> Was he was he a closet gamer? He wasn't that closeted, but uh, <laughs> he started lo- started losing interest once alcohol, alcohol and partying more of his life. But right, uh, yeah, we got together and he introduced me to basic like basic D and D, and I was going to get into AD and D because of course it's advanced, so uh, clearly it's better. And if I were if I were back oh, then, I'd course. be shouting at myself, going, "No, no, no, stick with basic." <laughs> but you know. <laughs> And then six, the 60 Minutes episode that oh, warned yeah. people about the dangers of D&D, that it, would, it might drive you over the edge, uh, happened. And so D&D did not happen. However, wow. just like I was, you know, at a I, at one point I was just at a convenience shop and my mom wanted me to get a co- you know, let me get a comic. And it was a question of. Yeah, there's no. I've just gotten into like the X Men books. There's none of that. There's no. And so, I saw this comic called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which was one of the first Archie uh, issues, and picked that up. And then when I was at the game store later, uh, I saw the uh, Turtles game and uh, basically said, "No, it's fine. I can buy it, even though it's a, because it's a comic. See, it's not a role playing game. You can open up to the middle." <laughs> So that's how I got into uh, the the various Palladium games, and uh, I was still I still played D anD D with friends, just couldn't own it. So it was not the core wow. of my early gaming. So where did you grow up? I was in I I grew up at that time in Kent, uh, Ohio. Okay, um, which is mainly famous for the uh, the Kent State Massacre of all oh, things. Yes, the Kent State. I grew up there because my mom was, you know, as a graduate student at the time. Wow. And she went to, went back to college late in life. And, but from there we went to, she went, she went to Madison, Wisconsin for her master's. And that's where I really started getting a lot of my, 
experience as just a more serious gamer instead of like being with a bunch of friends just kind of like dicking around and trying to figure out what's uh, how this all works you know because i went to basically college gaming clubs yeah, uh, so I'm going to places where I'm like, you know, 15 and they're like 20 year olds. And a lot of them were uh, thankfully very accommodating to this kid that doesn't know anything about running a game well or anything like that. So, you know, that's great. That really helps in a lot of ways. It helps me also just like uh, socially, too. Cool. So that's amazing because you're like in Wisconsin, that area is like where d d is kind of grew up right there's uh you're pretty close to milwaukee not pretty close but closer to than i am in san jose or in monterey county to uh to where the brutes of uh where that where d d grew up right or where it was invented you're talking about uh madison wisconsin is pretty close to closer to me than was than what, what what is it milwaukee where lake geneva and and there's a lot of a yeah. lot of a lot of uh there's even today there's a con of the north where there's, it's somewhere up there in that area where they they talk about old games and stuff so yeah no mass wisconsin always had like a really strong gaming scene and i would just go and be like what's being run what can i what can i butt in on <laughs> that's pretty cool games would games would pop up and games would collapse all the time right, so right yeah i remember meeting a guy who would later be like a staffer at white wolf and all that so cool yeah, no, it was a big, big uh, influence, particularly because of the fact, because we had so many rotating games, I got to experience a lot of different games for like a little bit. And that's like a stark contrast to a lot of like modern, uh, the modern scene where often people will get into like 5e or they'll get into Savage Worlds and that will be their thing. Right. You know? Well, um, the same thing happened to me. I mean, we were playing D&D. From original D and D to Advances and Dragons, we didn't touch Second Edition, and then well, that's all we played. I did play this other game called Space Opera that my me and my brother bought at a hobby store, but we didn't play a lot of different systems. It was just D and D, and and it was a e- what is it? I guess it was easy for everybody to play, get together and play because we all knew that game. When I was a kid, kept trying to trying to figure stuff out with a few friends. Yeah, we'd run across something like Traveler and just be like, "What is this?" You know, <laughs> it's just this 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 kind of vague black and red book, or like finding like Fantasy Wargaming, the the highest level of all, which is now kind of uh, an infamous game from that yeah. period. And I thought it was just like a book for D D. You know, right. I because it had all the you know it had hit points, it had monsters, all the mechanics were similar enough that I presumed that it was some weird third party thing for D D. Yeah. That was a weird book. That was a weird book. I couldn't understand any of it when I remember my brother bought it. And I'm like, oh, we just. <laughs> I presume, yeah, I presumed that it, it did not contain the rules. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, I presumed it was uh, just something for D&D. And if you had D&D, then you could understand the rules right, for this. Right. <laughs> cool. But I like the idea that you're playing with older people and they're rotating a lot of games. Because not only do you you get to play different games, but you also get to play under different uh, GM styles, I'm guessing, because everybody's a little different. Where I was stuck with my brother, and of course he influenced <laughs> me, and so we were just I was just reciprocating what he, I saw in, the way he ran, so the, my games were much like his, and so there wasn't a lot of uh, different input as far as different kinds of games. At that time. At that time. Bounce between everything. From like a, Cyberpunk 2020 was the big one. Oh, uh, yeah. I actually played that for like a on and off for like two years straight with a campaign, and that 
Only it kind of went off sometimes because the guy who ran it was uh, with the Navy, so he would occasionally be gone off with the Navy. <laughs> off to the Navy. But you know, I got to you know everything from I you know played in a, a BattleTech mech, uh, a mech warrior game I should say ongoing in that the role playing version of BattleTech. There was uh, just a, a wide variety of things I played in somebody's on an ongoing game that was somebody's personal system called RPG three. It was this percentile based fantasy system. You know, but I got to try the like uh, Torg and GURPS. Wow. GURPS became <laughs> it really became my jam around that time just because it well it felt more sophisticated. Uh the games before it was more internally consistent. Right. Yeah, and, and there was no classes in that game, right? So you kinda of make whoever you want. Yeah, yeah, there's no, it's all point-based, so it was all right. just somebody who likes building things and liked building stuff in Car Wars that was, you know, allowed you to just really kit bash a lot of stuff. So you're heading to comics. Did you ever play Champions? Yes, I did. I never got really deeply into it. There was a number of uh, kind of games I went that they never quite lasted. But yeah, I remember one group I was in for like, you know, a couple months that was... Basically, you would have the role play session, then you would have the combat session. It was literally oh, yeah. like on and off, like a switch <laughs> like that, because combat would take six hours. Yeah, I, I do remember buying that game, and I, I tried playing it with my brother, and it was just like, we thought we were doing it wrong, because they're right, combat took so long. I'm like, uh, are we doing something wrong? Are we not getting something? Because it was a kind of a long game as far as the combat yeah if you've got like you got like uh eight players that's gonna take you a good while you know so you're playing a lot of games did you ever like a lot of people who i know gm a lot did you gm a lot or are you mainly a player i was mainly a player when i was in madison i tried gming but i was just not quite ready okay and i end up my mom ended up returning to kent for the uh, phd and that's when i really started running because i got together with a different group right through local, uh, through, you know, basically little paper ads, oh, yeah. uh, little paper ad in the uh, gaming store. Oh, yeah. And uh, on the on the bulletin board. Got together and got uh, a regular group and started running some GURPS games and ended up running GURPS Vampire, of all things, for a long time, which is, uh, <laughs> it's a mess uh, in retrospect. <laughs> but I we had, a, we had a lot of fun with it, nonetheless. Uh, I got, was able to do some really goofy stuff that you would never see in a regular vampire game because, you know, I could just pull in anything from GURPS. <laughs> <laughs> and I like like you know like have them fight you know a, a giant a suit of power armor for one session or you know uh, what have you and so from there i got into the white wool stuff and then of course i went i went deep on it as a kid the 90s or the like so uh white wolf consumed me for a while <laughs> consumed you that's a good so one do have- so do you have a favorite rpg i would say i don't have i don't have a uh, a really strong uh i was asked you know i, I saw i recently i posted uh i would say games uh it would be easier to say games that influenced me golden Sky stories and hill folk are two i often bring up the first is a kind of what's just starting to kind of emerge here in the u.s but has been in japan for a while called a heartwarming rpg um and it's about basically small shape-changing animals that uh help out a local community and there's no real there's no like violent conflict in it right it's pretty cool we we, we did a saw how do a research on that one that looked pretty cool yeah yeah um and i end up actually co-writing a book on riffs the uh kind of infamous uh, played a multi-genre game with a translator for that, Aaron Clooney. So cool. Yeah, Rifts is a pretty cool game. The concept I could never get the the rules to 
like jive for me because of the the massive difference between the SCD and the standard damage and stuff. Yeah. And then you have some people who want to play like normal people, kind of. And then somebody <laughs> always wants to play the Glitter Boy yeah. with that railgun because it's mm-hmm. you know, super cool, obviously. Rifts I spent a long time when I was on the Something Awful forums kind of lampooning and pulling apart on one of their like basically uh, let's read kind of threads so i know it inside and out and it cool. is it is the definition of a hot mess um, <laughs> it, well, is, it looks really cool and then you get into it and then you go oh no this is <laughs> so it's kind of an uh, absolute mess in both uh, system and setting to some extent. right and so. and and teenage mutant T- turtles was a version of palladium right or as yes. i remember because it was it put out by palladium books Oh, absolutely. Okay, um, yeah. It was their one of their big successes that made them a lot, a lot of money. Um, I think right. they sold something like 200,000 copies. Oh, wow. Years. They were very lucky to get it back in like 1985, I think. I think it was pretty early, yeah. yeah. And they based it on their ga- superhero game of the guy, Heroes Unlimited, which was kind of a, de- and that was a descendant of their fantasy game, which was pretty much like a descendant of D&D. So it's not, it's kind of this weird thing where it's just like about three, you know, like a generation or two separated from D&D. They were very lucky to get it before the big TMNT craze. I mean, I think right. when the book was developed, there were like literally six or seven issues out of the Turtles comic by uh, by Mirage, by the original creators, Eastman and Laird. Right. They were able to ride that, and then they got Robotech, and between the two, Robotech based on, of course, uh, the Japanese series Macross. It was a huge success for them. They made it, you know, books for it until, like, 92 or so. And that was, uh, you know, I you know, picked up just about everything, and they were very competitively priced if you were a kid. Like, $7 was the price for wow. most of the exp- expansions. Yeah, yeah. Because they did those short 64-page uh, books for the expansion. Right, the Roadhogs uh, and After the Bomb or something like that, right? They had kind of like two lines. One was like the mainline Turtles stuff, like Turtles Guide to the Universe and Transdimensional TMNT. That's right. And then you had the, they did their post-apocalypse setting, uh, After right. the Bomb, and then they expanded out with different areas of the world, like Roadhogs was Western U.S. and uh, Mutants, Mutants Down Under and... Mutants of the Yucatan and Mutants of Avalon, Mutants in Orbit. I think that's pretty much all of it. <laughs> wow, I don't, I didn't remember. I don't remember the Mutants in the Yucatan and stuff. So did yeah. you, did you run that game or did you play that game? I've, I kind of, it's one of those games that I kind of mainly tinkered with when I was young. Right. I didn't get a lot of a uh, chance to play an extended game. A little while back, I play uh, about like I say a little while. It's probably more like a getting on a decade <laughs> at this point. But I played in like a mutant masterminds game. That was a friend that ran. It used the turtle setting where we were all mutant animals running around. It's no, but yeah, it's, I, I think a lot of people got to toy around with it and just like make characters. But you talk to a lot of folks, and it's hard to find folks that actually ran it. I think I did run it when I was younger, uh, but I just ran like an adventure or two. Yeah, that's exactly my my experience. Is that I got the book, I made a ton of different characters, and then I don't think I ever played or even ran it. I even got my friends to make characters, but that's about as far as we got for some reason. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I ran through like the uh, the one where. The one where you have a bunch of farm animals that have taken kids ho- taking a school hostage, which uh, yeah. reads differently <laughs> these days. Yeah. So you go from from playing games, running games, and uh, was the mutants in the now the, your first Kickstarter? 
It was my first Kickstarter. I had been tinkering with games for a long, long, long right, time. Right, right. Like, from the first... Well, I got Car Wars. Like, one of the first things I started doing is, like, developing gadgets and whatnot and for cars. And, you know, throughout high school, I developed my own little systems. I had Gonzo, which is kind of like... When I look back at it, it's almost kind of like a proto-fate. It was just like my humor game that was kind of, like, inspired by Tales from the Floating Vagabond. Uh, teenagers yes. from Outer Space and games like that. And, you know, I had one that was uh, a horrible merger of, like, Rifts, Champions, and Gurps. <laughs> I think I, I still have some more in my closet. It's really awful. And, uh... Let's, there is a, and so, you know, I, I, I tinkered for a while and there was basically, I started going into uh, something awful. There is a ongoing make, make a better anime game uh, contest as in uh, make a better anime game than say big eye, small mouth. And the, uh, the old from the mid two thousands or early late nineties, yeah, generic anime game. And I did, uh, I eventually did one called my life with an exciting fantasy foreigner, which is me kind of. Both kind of like bring together, you play like these uh, fa fantasy character in the modern world. And you also have some people play normal people who host them, basically. And it's about them trying to just make it in the everyday world and kind of like sitcom hijinks ensue. So like trying to hold down a job or, uh, you know, uh, shop for clothes. Yeah. I was going to say appliances and things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so, and it was, it was enough of a hit that that won that particular contest. And that was the first one I published on Itch. Okay. And from there, I started slowly publishing like little games, little games on itch. Okay. Somebody carelessly said on Twitter, I'm trying to remember their name off the top of my head, but the, uh, the basically, you know, somebody should put together a version of Tarantino Ninja Turtles, just clean it up and <laughs> for the modern day. I was like, yeah, that would be easy. And then I go into actually writing it and I'm like, oh, uh, combat's kind of boring. <laughs> How do I rewrite combat entirely? And so I get, I get, I, you know, I started just tinkering a lot, uh, trying to update it. So what you ended up with, uh, what was intended to be like a 48 page booklet is now a 128 page game. Cause I can't leave well enough alone. I can understand that. So how long did it take you from that person to telling you on Twitter to deciding that you're going to put this out on Kickstarter? How long was that process? That process was probably about all of two weeks. Oh, really? They're doing uh, Zine Quest. Oh, yeah, right, on Kickstarter. Back when that was, uh, had gone gone successfully for uh, like the previous year. And I guess what happened was I was actually hired on by a company called Level 999 Games okay. um, for a year and to help work on their fantasy setting for their board games because I had done a, a number of fan things for them. So I was pretty much like the expert on their fantasy setting. Right. Indians. Unfortunately, like at the start of COVID, they had to like drop oh. like half, like half the company, unfortunately. And I was part of that. And I was just, I was like, I was already kicking myself that I had missed out Zine Quest in the previous year. And so I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do, do it. And <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of just jumped in with both feet. I contacted an artist I know. I got some pieces uh, done. And I only had the rough sketches when I went to the first Kickstarter. But I did it. And we made about like you know, uh, a bit of, a bit north of 4,000. And your goal uh, was what? On that. What was your goal? 2,000. Two okay. I would have made it higher if I had known, known how long it would take. But it did land. And it was successful enough that I was able to really, really spin it further with uh, the next. So. What do you think of that whole process of Kickstarter? I mean, I've talked to several creators who have, uh, they're super excited at the same time, like super nervous about 
one is meeting your goals, but then after that, it's it's constantly trying to you know keep the people engaged, trying to get more people to to yeah. you know, obviously donate more money or, or, or pledge more money. How, how what did you think of that experience? Oh, it's 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 terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. I mean, I went down with like two thousand dollars, you know, a two thousand dollar goal for now. And of course, my brain is like, nobody's going to give you two thousand dollars for this. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and the same process repeats with next. I asked for thirty thousand, right. right. uh, knowing knowing my expenses. I did the numbers over and over and over, and I'm like, ah, nope, there's not. I can't. Wait, no, the actual the actual goal was twenty thousand. Sorry, and what we in the like the top end of my stretch goals was thirty thousand. Yeah, I was like, nobody's going to give you 30000 you absolute fool. <laughs> so did you did you set the goal so high? Because, like, maybe you go, well, maybe it's not going to. Or did you actually, like, crunch the numbers and that was a good number for you? 20000 20, was about what I needed for all the people who were working on it, for printing costs, for shipping, for, you right. know, paying paying myself a decent rate, you know. Right, right. Because that's why I kind of skimped out on the first time. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it was, it's, uh, it's kind of terrifying. And like, like people, like you said, you know, you didn't hear about it until next. And that is something that occurred over and over. It's not for my lack of trying. Uh, it right. is just really hard to get the word out as an uh, indie uh, developer. And I've learned, I learned a lot uh, with the first That's one. That's what a lot of people for say. The second, I actually, you know, for the second, I actually sat down and put together like a press kit and I bombed like any site I could see with the news, with the right. press release and actually doing things professional, uh, you know, at least semi, uh, at least as professionally as the, the gaming industry ever gets. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, I got to do it heavier because like the first time I was just like going around to like every RPG forum I could find and posting it, you know, posting the news. Right. And going around to various communities and whatnot. One of the like things I had to dodge early on is I mentioned I had written this book with uh, Aaron Clooney. I'm probably, I may be butchering his name because I mainly know him virtually. <laughs> but he, we did Back to the Rifter, which was like, you know, a hundred, uh, similar 128 page book, lampooning riffs. Okay. And I get pretty harsh because. <laughs> Uh, there was like you know it's a it's a jokey book basically a summary of the first book with our thoughts and research and things like that but it's the kind of I, I refer to it as comedy and commentary the first towards the end people kept asking me like what's the deal with the coalition who are the main bad guys they're these guys right. in skull armor yeah. running around uh, as human supremacists uh, with their super technology it's very similar to uh, the enclave and fallout and. People kept asking me, like, what's the deal with the whole Nazi connection and these guys often being presented as heroic in a, in a number of the books. And I wrote, like, a long chapter, like, discussing, like, this is how you can kind of distort things so you think, uh, so you present, like, the guy on the ground as a heroic military guy while the leadership, of course, are monsters. And it's a, a, a fairly serious takedown of that particular concept and how it is tied to like 1950s misinformation and propaganda regarding the Nazis. And so, you know, I say some really harsh stuff in there. And the, uh, so I, I initially got some lashback from the Palladium community by people who thought that I was just trying to rip off Palladium. It's one of those weird things where I'm been harshly critical of Palladium at times, 
but I'm still at, at my heart, you know, a fan. You know, it's right. I'm, I'm I'm harsh because I, you know, I've cared about it so much. It's been such a big thing in my, you know, early gaming life. So with like turtles, I don't have like that same level of criticism per se. There's a lot of things you can pick at, and a lot of a lot of strings you can pull out regarding the original turtles game. Um, and I I'm, I'm sure I have at some point. But at the same time, it's a book that was written in five weeks, you know, in 1985. And understanding that, like, it's really groundbreaking for the time it came out. If you look at all its peers and all that, um, it has a lot of good GM advice for the time. And it really lets you that whole just weird point system where you're rolling for your background and rolling for your animal and then spending points how you want to mutate your animal, which is almost like the exact opposite of what you would expect. You know, you would expect that you make decisions and then mutations would be random. It creates this experience of what I call discovering your character rather than, say, designing or picking your character. And that's kind of what I wanted to bring back with Mutants in a Now. Uh, there's t- there's been a tendency to slim down character creation, you know, make it as fast as possible, get people in the game, you know, right. without much. And this is like the exact opposite in terms of gameplay, where it's just like, no, we're going to take time and discover this <laughs> character. And the side effect is that people that go in for it get really attached to their character um, by the end. Yeah, and yeah. though it can take like two hours or whatever, it's uh, a very different experience that's uh, a little absent in modern day role playing. So, right, right. We did that recently with um, when we played in one of our friends. Um, it was Gamma World, where we had to when we were making the characters. You rolled for you know you started creating the character, then you did the the rolling on the tables for the mutations. Yeah, and right. Saul's character came out interesting because he had like these psi or what, what kind of abilities mental, po- mental powers oh, yeah. but then one of the mutations made him not work right <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. so so i i was lucky because i got like mental blast and i and i and i got like a high uh mental ability right but then i had a mutation that lowered my mental stat by like five oh, or eight points yeah, so no. you could try to do something so but every time i try to do something <laughs> people would just be able to roll over it and like save me through <laughs> My mental blast was pretty cool, but it never went off because <laughs> they were always able to save for it. Yeah, there's no real like safety rails with a lot of those old like you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vigi- yeah. a lot of those little random systems like villains and vigilantes and what have you. So you so obviously you had a real successful launch or Kickstarter with the mutants in the mutants in the now, mm-hmm. and uh, you went ahead and did, did this mutants in the next. Well, what what is the different? Is it just an expansion, or how would you describe mutants in the next? Yeah, it's a. It, I would say it's a fairly straightforward expansion. It's very much just like these. Uh, this is stuff that couldn't fit in the main book. Uh, not that it was necessarily ever intended to be part of the main book, but uh, Stokes, you know, stuff people have requested. Like people kept requesting for mutants in the next for there to be what are, what are, what we're now calling human-born mutants. For example, mutants in the now has just animals being mutated to become more. Yeah, like humanoid, and this is humans being mutated become uh, like an animal. Ah. Uh-huh. So if you watch the old, you know, turtles cartoon, and you know, the, the turtles as compared to say Splinter, who was originally human in that particular for in right. well in some versions of the cartoon anyway. That's true. And uh, so I realized that would require like a whole different set of backgrounds, and I've gotten really crazy into it and 
the way I originally intended it. And so next gives me the room to do that. Uh, it also has like rules for human characters. Should you want that sort of thing? There is including rules for age uh, because of the human characters for older, younger characters put in uh, more currently uh, finishing up like wild mutations, which are if you want extra randomness in your mutation, this uh, <laughs> kind of introduces things that are not straightforward for, you know, between human and animal. So maybe you're, you get mutated. So your species is now in a marine variant, like a, you know, like the, maybe if you're a big cat, now you're like the dolphin equivalent of a big cat, you know, somewhere in between there. <laughs> to uh, weird, weird stuff. Like maybe you're, you know, playing a bird and you end up with like a velociraptor claw or um, maybe you end up with an extremely you know, high metabolism. Um, maybe you're geared for speed like a cheetah. Um, maybe you're just big and you're, you're so like just more squat and dense or, you know, so there's like, I've got right now, I've got 70. <laughs> <laughs> I wow. was planning for 60. Uh, I've got 70 <laughs> right now, and I've got ideas for about probably like at least another 10 or 15 more. So we'll, uh, I'm trying to get that squared away, uh, at least have enough that I'm confident that I can put it aside and finish up one of the other sections. <laughs> but uh, it also just adds new sonic powers, new species, about at least uh, 120 plus. Wow. I did about a hundred and eight or so for the uh, the sampler that I gave out to Kickstarter backers. To, yeah, it was pretty big. And uh, there's another eighteen from backers because uh, people who backed at the top level could choose one. Right. And there's there's a few that all just want to add either uh, by happenstance, like for example, there's like you know I want a piece of you know this particular animal. Uh, in the art, and it makes me just go, oh, well, I have to include it in the game, too. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, it's kind of, it'd be strange to put an animal in there and then, like, hey, where's the stats for this animal? Yeah, or somebody <laughs> wanted, like, a genetically modified, like, you know, like, red-eyed skink, and I was like, well, I may as well do the rules for the red-eyed skink first, you know? <laughs> so. so that's pretty exciting. I mean, yeah, you've been pretty busy then. Yeah. Uh doing a lot of writing going over what you said you were going to do right yeah i mean for, no? for, for next i had a pretty good idea where i was doing okay. so i'm following the outline on that there may be more of this or that than i originally planned but right. like it's like new sonics new martial arts and uh expanding some of the villains giving more villain just kind of stat blocks in general uh and introducing a new villain group so that was all essentially part of the plan. I've got an adventure by Crystal Frazier, uh, who's written on everything from like Mutants or Masterminds and Pathfinder to like Destiny 2. No, she's uh, she's been in this much longer than I have. So she's been doing uh, video game writing lately. Sophie Campbell, who is the uh, artist, the current, well, current writer on the TMNT comic book and sometimes artist where they can fit her in. Got her to do some art for it. Wow. Unfortunately, I, I just had to break the news to my backers and won't be able to get more art from her, unfortunately, just because of her schedule. Right. Just because the Turtles franchise is, they, she's got some uh, a lot of extra work to do. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, I'd have to delay things to like maybe middle of next year if I want, you know, her more, yeah, more, more art available from her. And I'd love to get it. If she has opportunities in the future, I will uh, absolutely take them. I love her, love her work. You know, I've got... 
Darren Calvert, who has worked on like all sorts of game lines, mainly Munsey Masterminds and like I think Acquisitions Incorporated. But you'll see his work all over the place. He's just a fantastic mm-hmm. kind of a comic caricature style artist. And Fabio Fontes, who I knew from my level 99 games days, who's just tremendously oh, yeah. talented. And he was the first one I, pick, I, I picked because I saw his black and white work for uh, for affinity, of, you know, of course, of all places. And I was like, that no, that would be, it actually lines up perfectly. And people have said, like, you know, is he a fan of like, is he like based on this Palladium artist or that Palladium artist? I'm like, nope. Yeah, he has not been aware of the gaming world until he started working in wow. as a board gaming artist. So, <laughs> you know, he's not particularly familiar with any of that, but he's been tremendously helpful. So, getting him, getting him to do a lot of the uh, villain stuff this time around. Cool. Yeah. Well, it, you know, the thing is, a lot of people who uh, who probably never created a, a a product like this, you know, they don't know all the work that's involved in wrangling all these people, the artists. Uh, like the, the the writer for your adventure and stuff. Do you find it really difficult or is it just, just not that difficult for you to wrangle these people and, and get the work done basically? Because you're kind of like a your own, what is it, a, pro, a product manager, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I had at least when I worked at Level 99 Games is I was essentially the project manager for that particular, okay. for the uh, book that I was working on, the right. Grand Chronicle, which is their big art and uh, lore book for their setting. So I got a little experience with that there. And for that, I was mainly working with other, working with artists and uh, basically working out what, you know, pieces we needed from them and detailing those. One of the things, you know, weirdly, is I had become, yeah, you know, I had a hobby of commissioning art from various artists before that. So oh. I had some experience with working with artists and the like, figuring out, okay, what is what is reasonable to ask somebody and what is just being a jerk. <laughs> and learning learning cuts on that the hard way that kind of like kind of at least prepped me somewhat for you know going down and wor- uh, working with artists working with writers is a little new but uh you know it's just it's not that much more complicated just because i've been doing freelance work for various companies for uh like pilgrim press and green ronin okay and so I'm at least used to the back and forth of editing, and the main, I would say the main issue is it takes more time than uh, perhaps I expected. Right. And that's complicated when you're you know, having to write this long, long book. In the future, I, may, I, I have kind of idea for a more of an anthology kind of book uh, that I want to do for this line if we keep, keep it going. When I worked at Level 99, my, my boss was like, you know, make sure you get as quick as you can basically find ways find other people who can do the important work for you basically you know hi, you know hire you know not not for nothing for hiring and the like basically figure out figure out what you can do and can't do i think i will always probably fall into the issue that i want to stay uh close to the writing and that may mean i'm just like a little indie creator for the rest of my days but that's that's fine with me i don't I don't have any big dreams like creating a big company or anything like that. Um, nope. I'd really like to be in kind of like that kind of apocalypse. I'm blanking out because it's early in the morning, but uh, like the author of Apocalypse World, where he sits down and creates stuff and kickstarters it. He and his wife basically, you know, do little projects that are successful enough to keep them going in this little hobby that they love. And I think that's really where I where I'd like to be at. Definitely. Right. 
have all sorts of ambitious dreams, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to get too far from doing the part where I love, which is actually design and writing. So right, yeah, because I know it's like what is it? Is it Modifius that was based on a? They were making I forget Octon Octoon Cthulhu or something like that. Yeah, and then basically off of that that Kickstarter, they basically made a company and it's now Modifius, and then it actually have a staff and all that and they publish all, they've been a publishing house now yeah. so that's not your aspirations you're just uh want to keep writing and 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 being the content creator basically is what you're doing and that may be an inevitability i may be doomed it's like the moment <laughs> i pick up pick up a particular license and go oh i have to be professional about this uh <laughs> not, to, not to say i'm not professional but it's, it's i've always said like professionals in the in the gaming industry is kind of a matter of degrees right it's not all on one axis so yeah i I'd, I'd like to remain remain close to the work and that maybe like like i said if i pick up like you know some license of my dreams or something like that that may be an impossibility i may need to you know company up i definitely need to sit down and do some work as far as like you know actually making my business legally professional it's uh a lot of, there's a lot of learning to do thankfully it's all gone fairly smoothly for me i haven't had it's mainly just extra work and it's figuring out how much extra work I'm willing to take on in that regard. Right. So was there vast differences between your first Kickstarter and the, and the, and the mutants in the next? I mean, I know you, you, it's a bigger book and you have more people working on it, but you had experience with Kickstarter already. So that was a little bit less nervous, a little bit less nerve wracking, or was it even worse because you, you set the goal uh, 10 times higher than you had in the first one? It was absolutely at least more um, nerve-wracking than the first. (laughs) That's terrible. And anxiety-producing. Well, it's partly just because just to make it happen, you know, I need to spend a certain amount. Uh, So, you know, I've spent, like, this amount on art. Okay. Yeah, I've spent, like, this. Yeah, I'm, like, spending this amount on ads. So I'm actually, like, you know, financially committing in a way that I didn't. Uh, quite have to on the first one like the first one was like several hundred dollars and this is more like several thousand and at the same time of course you know yeah i'm asking for a lot more um i'm having to do a lot more i i know the work involved (laughs) a bit better uh there's there's something to say about the uh ignorance of bliss and The bliss of ignorance? Uh, whatever. Ignorance of bliss, so, I think. So, so you're close. Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> so you had that, uh, had that. And uh, so there's a lot more like go reaching out to basically screaming into the void a lot. Uh, well, going, to, going to like 30 like outlets and, uh, you know, whatever. And, you know, just sending your information out going. You want to talk to me about, you know, you want to talk about this? You want to interview? <laughs> and some people being like really enthused. And I've been really grateful for a lot of the, you know, small talk content creators that were willing to highlight me. Then you get a guy who's like, yeah, we'll do it for like $800. And I'm like going, oh, you do have like 100 <laughs> You do have like 100k subs. I wow. can't deny yeah. that you have the audience, but oh, it's also just like as an indie, it's just like, yeah, I know you're not like getting 800 dollars from wizards, but that's yeah, you know, that's just the that's just the industry. That's they can just make money by making D and D 5e content, but will charge me for <laughs> the privilege of having my book. You know, really, I, I never, I, I, you know, I'll just do the small podcast, so we don't. You know, I don't have no any idea that that happens, but yeah, if you, you're talking about like the YouTube, the big, the the, the like yeah. professional YouTube operations, right? Yeah. Right. 
Wow, they charge you. So obviously it worked because it came across my fields of vision, your means in the next, and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, he had a he had another <laughs> Kickstarter, and so I'm like, oh, then I'm, I'm looking at your at your work and stuff, and I look at your page, and I'm like, I was really sold. I was like, I love the game. Obviously, the game, even though I never played with it, I like I like the concept of the game. I really like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was a little bit older for that demographic, but. As a gamer, I, I liked the idea. We went to go see the movies. We stood in line back when we used to stand in line in, in, for movies back in the day. And I even remember we took my nephews who were about, they were about to eight or nine or 11. And they were like super excited about seeing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so, uh, <laughs> so I mean, it was it was very interesting uh, to see your your take on the on that game. So I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And yeah, and I, and I obviously I backed it, and so it was pretty cool. Like I said, obviously it worked because, like I said, the first one I, I didn't even hear about, and the and the mutants in the neck was I don't know. I, I, I honestly I can't remember how I came across how how I came across it. If it was an ad or if I was just looking on Kickstarter mm-hmm. or or something like that. Yeah, I, I only really advertised on RPG.net and uh, Furfinity. Uh, those were the two. Oh, okay, so no, I, I must have been did paid advertisements other right. than working with the folks at uh role-playing public radio yeah so. i must have just saw it on kickstarter then and mm-hmm. uh there you go he spends a lot of time there <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too much money my wife says <laughs> yeah i used to be really really uh big I've, I've slowed down on uh on, on backing kickstarters but of course i still do for uh for a number of like little indie games yeah and whatnot. yeah and and that's what I tell. Her. I go look. I usually I don't back the big big kickstarters anymore unless it's like something I really like. I like yeah. backing people who who may or may not make it. Right, you know the people who who could who do really need the money to to get this project off the ground. And that's I, what and it I, tells me. And I think that's what Kickstarter <laughs> was based on. Yeah, that's what I tell her anyway. But I do buy the big ones every once in a while because they're too good to pass up. <laughs> Yeah, well, like some of the some of the big ones, uh, my attitudes. I'll look at it and I'll go, "Is this going to be around in two years?" And the answer is yes. It's not <laughs> yeah. going to go anywhere. And if I if I want to buy, you know, like Avatar down the road, it's going to be present. It's not going away. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So unless they suddenly lose the license or something. So do you play? Do you still play a lot now, or 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 anything, or or run games, or? I've been. Uh, I've been running games on and off Mutants in the Now for both playtesting and just for fun. Uh, so I, I have actually been doing that with local groups. I have a friend that's been running a regular D&D 5th edition game, so I've gotten to experience that. Um, I was with two D&D 5e games for a while, uh, but I think one of them has fallen off. <laughs> and I've been getting together regularly with a group to play Gloomhaven, which is oh. a role-playing game, but in that kind of like campaign mindset it has a lot of you know commonalities yeah it's that big huge board game cross i don't know if it's crossover but it's kind of like a mini role-playing game kind of yeah it's all you know basically like a dungeon game but it also has like little cards where you can make choices and you get choices of like what what quests are we going to go on and sometimes role-playing can enter into that so do you have any news about what you might work on in the future? Are you going to stick with your mutants for a while or you might uh, expand into a different direction? There's kind of like two things that are on my brain right now. Getting into the next course is my right. focus. And I try not to get beyond promise. That. 
I try, try not to promise too much because uh, I was a Palladium fan for a long time, and I see what happens when you do that. <laughs> there is there is a litany of books that Palladium has promised that have never ever ever emerged. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Will never ever emerge. Uh, there are books you can buy on their website right now that will probably never emerge. So uh, don't, don't. I would not invest in Mechanoid Space. <laughs> okay, good good hint. It's they've been taking pre-orders on that for like twenty years, I think, I mean, at least ten. But yeah, no, it's so I try I try to keep things a little close to my chest. What I'm what I'm probably going to be doing after means the next. Uh, I have a li- I'm probably going to be a, doing a little expansion that will just uh, probably be. I almost think of it as like a zine or a booklet. It's you know okay. it's gonna be it's gonna be smaller, but it's something I want to get out there, following and just kind of kind of I, I suppose covering some corners that I couldn't in now or next and. Then it's really for people who enjoyed the old, the uh, older games. It's basically like, here, what stuff is in the older games that I did not have room for, you know? Right. So, like, I would not consider, say, like, Quails uh, to be a uh, priority for me as the next. But if I want to go back and just say, we've got everything the old, <laughs> the old stuff had. Uh, that's how you do it, and that's uh, means doing quails. And <laughs> <laughs> of course, one of the things that's always interesting in doing research for that is finding things out about animals that you did not know were interesting. So you know, finding out that like this 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 species of salamander has basically like a form of algae uh, that exists <laughs> in its cells that helps it grow through its you know like teenage state. Uh, and it's one of the only like examples of a plant animal symbiosis. Like <laughs> really? That. And it's yeah. And it's just like you know, I don't expect I, I can't remember if that's like the spotted salamander or one of the other salamanders I have in next. But yeah, no, you just, just discover things just doing research that are wow. way more interesting. Like turkeys nest in trees. You would not think of that. <laughs> you know? So like even looking up like a quail, you can find stuff there stuff that's interesting sometimes. Yeah, because turkey, turkeys can fly. They just don't do it well. Yeah, um, never at least wild ones. Wild, wild ones. ones. Yeah, don't get don't domestic. <laughs> domestic. We've we've read that. We've yeah. read that out of them pretty severely. As as the old WKRP episode, uh, uh, the showcase. <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen that show. Turkeys it's don't been fly. a long time. <laughs> well, there, was I did, a, I did, there was a Thanksgiving episode that's uh, quite uh, quite hilarious a couple of years back where I went through all of Night Court because that was a favorite as a kid. Uh, <laughs> but, Night Court, uh, yeah. So, yeah, no. So I'm looking to do like a little a little expansion. I want to do a more professional version of my life with an exciting fantasy foreigner because I promised that ages ago and okay. had, had got derailed by me now. But I know where I can get the art for it and it just matters sitting down and expanding it somewhat. Uh, with Is that advice. one still available on... on uh... It's still, it's still available on itch. Oh, uh, itch okay. So if you go to arbco, A-R-B-C-O dot itch dot I-O, uh, you can find all of my older games. Um, cool. Including Mutants in the Map. That was a small expansion I did. That was kind of like a map building, faction building uh, yeah, mini game. I, I saw and that. I did that. I did that really early on uh, in Mutants in the Now, and I'd really like to go back and clean it up because, like, while I was doing it, I was like in the middle, started like designing the early parts of Mutants in the Now, so it may not sync up perfectly, but it's a general enough thing that it doesn't rely on any mechanics from. Right. Right. I saw that. So those are the two things I want to focus on. 
And then after that, I'll probably think about doing another Kickstarter. Like I said, I want to do a book that brings in more viewpoints. So I want to do something that's more like an anthology, but I don't want to bring in more uh, more diverse uh, viewpoints that I can offer. Right. I, cause I, so I'd like to do like a, like a mutants across the world for that. And beyond that, I'd like to expand into the weirdness of things like, like time travel and dimension travel. And so I've been debating the idea of doing like a two book Kickstarter for Uh-oh. like both of those, but that may be, <laughs> that may be overreaching. So I'll be thinking about that. And it's a question like, I guess I, I'll need to sit down and approach authors and see. Right. Who would, uh, interest in providing different uh, view, you know, viewpoints. Because I know I've got, I know I've got some folks already. Because I had like folks in the middle of next who are authors who reached out to me, and there's like, I both, I really wanted to be able to offer them work. It's just like I can't in the scope of things, you know. <laughs> um, but that's the kind of folks I'll be reaching out to again, of course, when uh, if I get get to that point. Well, it sounds like you got it. You know, you're gonna be busy for a while. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> right now I've been doing like a book a year and like to be a little faster with it. But unfortunately, life has been pretty tough. I mean, now was delayed by the passing of uh, my stepfather. So that was like a tremendous uh, amount of, you know, work uh, right. involved with uh, handling his uh, basically his estate. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's and I'm a, yeah. And so I'm basically like a, a, a caretaker for my mother right now. And so all that eats up uh, a fair amount of time. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a matter of finding a way to balance all that and keep it healthy and not, you know, overstress myself because I don't really get days. I don't get a lot of days off. <laughs> let's well, say. well, take um, care of yourself. I don't other. want. Yeah. Yeah. You really got to balance everything out and to make sure that everything that in the end, it, you know, you, you stay healthy and you you're all right. So, yeah. Not to get too, too heavy, but... Yeah. yeah. No, I totally understand. Like I said, I, I got the both books when I got the Mutants in the Neck. So I'm really happy about that. And uh, I'm really excited about uh, hearing your future projects coming out. Uh, thanks for sharing your time. And your, yeah. obviously, it's very valuable. I really appreciate you <laughs> talking to us uh, in the early mornings. Hope uh, everything works out. And uh, we'll be seeing you finish the Mutants in the Neck uh, pretty soon, I suppose. Yep. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get that rough draft out by the end of the month. We'll see. Wow. We'll see. But that's pretty cool. Uh, at least get the, the initial draft over to backers so they can get a look at it while it goes into things like editing and layout. Cool. So. Cool. Well, thanks a lot. Like I said, I really appreciate you to taking the time out of your busy day to sit down and talk to us. No, it's uh, thank you for having me. It's always uh, great to talk about this stuff, and uh, <laughs> it's honored to be brought on. Thanks a lot. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and Julian K. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Have a great day.